1: visit gcu.edu
0: good evening everyone and welcome to the fabulous 54 below before we get started this evening just a polite reminder please take this moment to silence your cell phones and also there is no flash photography please welcome to the 54 below podcast i'm macon prickett the club's assistant programming director our guest today is the wonderful tammy famous New York's riotous and raucous hairy drag queen is bringing Christmas chaos to 54 Below this holiday season for a humorous and heartwarming night of spicy storytelling, spiced eggnog, and classic carols. Tammy Famous, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I am wonderful. How are you doing? I'm so good. I'm
1: so excited about this show. I've been working on it, and, and yeah, it's just... Once we get into the nitty gritty of my story, you'll find out why I'm really excited about it.
0: I, I can't wait. You know, it's, it's unfortunately rare that we have drag performers in the basement and this is something we're really working on. We want more of this kind of entertainment and we want to really open these doors to more people in the drag community and like really get it going. So, uh, you know, camp, hilarious, humorous Christmas show is the way to go, you know? Well, I
1: think a lot of drag queens lip sync. So it would be hard for them to be in 54 Below. For me, I do drag because I love to sing. Um, I've, you know, sung all my life. And I've also at the same time had my entire life, had my voice uh, miscategorized or mislabeled as being a woman's, which I don't care. Um, but I do have a really feminine voice. I love my voice. Um so when I sing, I try to sing in the key of a lot of the performers that I sing in. If I'm doing Patty Smith, if I'm doing Amy Winehouse, um I do, you know, Meredith Brooks or Atlantis. It's a lot of like 90s alternative um kind of performers. And that's really who I'm inspired by. Um, and so yeah, that's basically a big part of 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 me is and my drag is singing. And uh That's why I do it. And so I'm really excited to bring my drag. My drag is also very messy. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's very um, sort of irreverent in and of itself. I don't really believe in spending hundreds of dollars on makeup just to wash it down the drain. I hate doing makeup, actually. Uh, So I think that may connect me more to women in general uh, because I just don't (laughs) like doing my makeup. And And I do try to hire glam as much as possible if I can afford it.
0: Sure. Yeah. You know, I was scrolling through your Instagram and kind of watching some some videos in preparation for both the show and this this episode. And there is something that's so kind of raw and unfiltered about your drag, which I also really, really love. It really kind of, you know, reminds me of Divine and some of those like gritty drag queens who were just doing the damn thing, you know, and I, as a fan of drag in general, just love that. I think for some people, drag is a
1: identity. I I think for some people who may be trans or gender non-conforming, they do do drag because it's a way for them to enter an identity for themselves that they may be experimenting with, or they may be curious about. And I totally support that. For me, drag really is performance. And for me also, I think it's important that we don't let drag in of itself become this very standardized or gentrified entity which it kind of has become um Mm -hmm. i was doing messy drag 10 years ago in philadelphia when i first was performing and we we all were kind of messy drag queens at that point now the statement that i'm making is a lot louder and a lot clearer because there is so much drag out there and so much of it to me is kind of paint by numbers. A lot of Queens Mm -hmm. are watching the same YouTube makeup tutorials and they all kind of look the same with the crazy contouring and the eyebrows. And, and that's all good in that, but that's not why I want to do drag. And that's not what makes me feel comfortable. You know, um, almost less makeup is more makeup for me. And I don't do drag to look good. I do drag to feel good. And I Mm -hmm. also do drag to make other people feel better about themselves. Because I think when I enter a space and I'm messy and I, maybe have gum in my hair, or I just ate some buffalo wings on stage. I have hot sauce all over my face and like all that. It really reminds people um, not to take themselves too seriously too, because I definitely am not taking myself seriously.
0: You're, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. There is, there is kind of this, and even talking with you now, I'm like thinking of all of the drag that we see in media and popular culture on TikTok everywhere and there is kind of something about the super super polished you know step by step routine that is really kind of the only thing that's being done so like to see these like to see you be so like proudly this messy gritty like who you are so individual like i i am such a fan of that and i love that. I think that also sends a great message to people, like you said. Well, drag was really created
1: to break rules. And Mm -hmm. that really is why this art form was created in the first place. And those broken rules were, I think, much louder in the beginning. But now we're at this time when there are so many rules with drag. And I hate that. And that annoys me. And I don't like being told you have to do something a certain way in order to do something I'm always trying to be an outsider I'm always trying to blur the lines and and I have a whole lot of problems with authority and so especially an authority figure is telling me oh well in order to be taken seriously as a drag queen you gotta do a b c d it's like well I'm doing x y and z just because like because you're telling me I can't like and so even with the makeup thing I think a lot of people would be like, oh, you're not a real drag queen if you don't like doing makeup or if you don't do your own makeup or, or if you're not really good at makeup. I don't know. I just feel that like I, I, and maybe there is some sort of confidence confusion there. And maybe I'm not getting my makeup better for, you know, more of a deeper reason or something, but I don't know, for me, I also just love going into a space and people kind of, seeing me for who I am underneath the drag as well. I mean, I keep my hairy chest. I shave my beard cause I do love being clean shaven as my face, mm-hmm. but I keep my, my hairy chest, my hairy pits. And some people don't even notice that. Like sometimes I can be so feminine looking or just so into it. And so, and they're like, Oh my God, I didn't even realize your chest is covered in hair <laughs> because you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's all about just, I think having that confidence and having that energy and, I definitely have those things, uh, regardless Absolutely. of what my makeup looks like, or regardless right. of if they're chatting on me and regardless of how combed my wig is. Um, none of that stuff really matters to me. What matters to me is giving a good show, being present, um, making people happy, making people, um, remind themselves that, you know, life shouldn't be taken too seriously and, and yeah, and, and hopefully just do a good show and through all, through all those things.
0: Yeah. And, and also that all of that mixed with the fact that you are doing your own singing is also just so like admirable to me as well, just because we, we don't see that a lot. And, you know, there've been some great Queens who have been popular recently, who also are great singers. And I love Mm -hmm. that they, they get the chance to, to showcase that, but really you blending all of the elements that you're just talking about of just being so you and then being your own singing voice. Like that's like, that's a perfect drag queen in my opinion. And I think even with a lot of the singing that we do here, it's a lot of Queens that
1: are singing very pop or very kind of dance Mm -hmm. sort of, I'm really trying to bring in like more pop and uh, more rock, more alternative, not necessarily like punk, but definitely, I think I look a lot to the women of the 90s, you know, like, even like Natalie Merchant, or the Indigo Girls, or I sing the Melissa sing yeah. My window, or like Alanis Morissette, Meredith Brooks, like, Patti Smith, I love Amy Winehouse. So like, mm. those are the, the people that I'm really trying to center. And I think that there's a big group of people like any 90s baby or 90s teenager is very nostalgic for that era. And you know, as we're mm. graduating out of gays being or anybody being nostalgic for Judy Garland and Barbara Streisand, we're now entering a new era where people are able to be nostalgic about the nineties. Cause unfortunately the nineties is almost 30. It is 30 years ago. <laughs> I know
0: it's true. It's true.
1: <laughs> but even for me, I think I also turned to the music of that era because um, like one of the, my favorite songs, I haven't sung it in a show yet. is like Ani DeFranco, Untouchable Face. And I would love to cover that because that song was like, a huge part of my sister's life. And she introduced Ani DeFranco to me. And like, how many people do you see singing Annie DeFranco or how many drag queens do you see putting that out there? You know, I also love to add like Madonna or Tina Turner or Cher or some of the more, you know, pop divas of, um, of the last five decades or whatever that are revered by Mm -hmm. us all. But I also love to sort of even do that music a little bit more rock, um, influenced Mm -hmm. or inspired to make sure that it also sort of fits the overall arc of my show as well. But it's not like me coming out and doing like a disco pop dance, like Reverb. I mean, like, you know, um, auto-tuned or something and like, oh, I'm going to make all the kids dance. No, I'm definitely... Like one of the queens mm-hmm. that I really look to, who I think has done an amazing job, is Trixie. And I think Trixie, by doing country, yeah. she mm-hmm. really sort of was like, okay, this is a lane, and I'm going to kind of create it for myself, as opposed to doing more pop music or more, right. you know, dance clubby kind of stuff. A lot of the queens also can't really sing, so they like, are, right. are they just like rapping, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> which You're is also queen. fine, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> well, and the thing is, that is fine. And we also, like you said, we have like the dance electronic kind of we have kind of that area covered and we have the judy's we have the barbers we have the liza's like and they do it well and i love that but also seeing something like going coming to see a a drag performer doing a christmas show and bringing in all of these like 90s (laughs) elements is like who Mm -hmm. first of all who would expect that and second of all how exciting to offer something that is different and unexpected to the audiences
1: Yeah. And I, and uh, my music director, Darnell White, he's performed and directed musically a lot of shows at 54 below. um, And he's amazing. And I absolutely love him. He also Mm -hmm. really helps with inspiring the music and he kind of comes from a much more soulful or more like a little bit R and V and like his, his sound and his, it's a great um, amalgamation between him and me. Like us combining is really, really special because I also feel like he infuses the work that we do with a lot of really great like musicality that that Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily something that I would naturally bring to the table. I'm also not the greatest singer in the world. I mean, I'm not classically trained. My sister is a Mm -hmm. classically trained opera singer and there have been confidence confusions with my voice, but I love singing. I do it. And this past year, I've been on this new sort of, healing journey and a big part of that was rediscovering and reclaiming my drag for myself and I've been so much more present in my body that my people that have come see me perform for the last decade have been seeing my shows and they're like wow your voice sounds really good and I'm really really but it's also not perfect but I don't give a but that's not like that's (laughs) not I'm not also not going to worry about that too like I just am there to give a good show no matter what and I really really do I mean like I gave I did a show at Chelsea Table and Stage over the summer, and somebody after the end of the show came up to me, a stranger I did not know them, and they were like, "This really felt like old school New York." And oh my god, yeah. I'm like get emotional, but like when they said that to me, that like that mm-hmm. so oh my god, I mean, like I, like that meant so much to me, like to hear that person say yeah. that somebody I didn't even know. And I'm like oh my god, like that is the best compliment I have anybody ever say to me and so hopefully with this show as well like that's something that we definitely kind of bring to the table and also the the, the christmas christmas time can be a hard time for queer for queer people yeah, in general i mean absolutely. this show is for everybody um mm-hmm. one of my taglines is like we're all surviving something um, mm-hmm. But I do think at the holidays, queer people have it especially sort of tough or anybody who feels on the outside of a family unit or a very normative environment. Even with me, and I have amazing nieces and nephews, and I'm best friends with my sister, and I always go home for the holidays. I still have trouble, I think, you know, just really feeling like I belong at the holidays because – our journeys are so much different than our straight and our heteronormative counterparts or whatever. It's true. So that I'm also really going to lean into in the show. There's definitely going to be some Christmas songs, but there's going to be a lot of other music that you wouldn't necessarily think of as being holiday, but I make connections to the holiday season or I sort of draw it back in to the queer experience and sort of explain maybe this song could really represent what a queer person feels at the holidays. And I'm really excited about that too.
0: Yeah. Well, we are going to talk so much about the show in just a minute but before we like jump into it i just kind of want to know because i'm sure that some of our listeners aren't as familiar with your background like where did tammy famous begin and where did drag kind of enter your life
1: Woo, girl okay so <laughs> basically question. I, I was <laughs> those, like theater kids and i was hella gay from mm-hmm. birth and just feminine and and You know, I got this amazing voice that sounds like a woman or just stereotypically (laughs) sounds like a woman. So I never got the parts that I really wanted as a kid. Um, And I would try out and always get, you know, and then my junior year of high school, I got cast as the stepmother in a production of Cinderella. And that came about because because, um, we auditioned and I was called back for like the Herald, you know. And at the callbacks, they were just like, um, the girls that were called back for the step family weren't really giving it their all. Like they weren't having fun. And as a joke, the directors asked some of the boys to just get up and read like all the gay boys in the room and we killed it. And it was hilarious. And then at the end of the callbacks, they called up me and somebody else. And they were like, we're thinking about casting you guys as the step family. Would you take it? And the other person said no, because they were like too intimidated. And I was like, hell yes, less, like a part is a part, let's go. <laughs> now I was 17 and this was 2004. So this okay. was like pre drag race. I mean, drag race mm-hmm. started in 2009. So drag wow. even in 2004 was not the thing that it is today. I mean, now I'm sure there are lots of community theaters or high school programs that would think about casting maybe a character in drag, but this was very rare. And And honestly, for the directors to do that at the time, it really meant a lot because, I don't know, it just, I really look back on that experience um, because then I did, I started it and ended up being incredible and I was shining and people were loving me and I was so much happier and I just was really getting this opportunity finally to perform like I felt like I deserved to. Um, But then, unfortunately, the week of opening, my mom randomly decided to sit me down for no reason and tell me that my dad was a cross-dresser. And um, this was a family secret that had been a big toxic plague on our house. My mom was, and and none of this was happening. None of this is positive. Like people, I've told this story and people have kind of taken away like, oh, it was a, this was very, this was very, very, very bad. This, this mm-hmm. moment. and. I didn't really think about the timing until literally a year ago when I was in therapy and my mm-hmm. therapist was like, I think you only do drag because you want to make your dad feel better about his cross-dressing. And I was like, no, because like I I was doing drag before I even knew about my dad. And honestly, I was in so much deep denial about like the why, the who, the what, and the where and the how of like my mom telling me that week that I never, never was like, oh, she told me not for a very good reason. She told me, I think, because she saw me being really happy in this thing and 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 it made her unhappy because it was mm. me putting this family secret that had really harmed her and really harmed my father. Um, I was putting it in the spotlight at 17 years old for everybody to see. And unfortunately, I think that experience really, hurt my relationship with the drag. Cause even that weekend I still killed it on stage. But mm-hmm. all throughout the weekend I was in my head. I was so weirded out. I was like, oh my God, like what does this mean for me? And what does this mean for my dad? And like, and I was still trying to understand my dad at that time about what his cross dressing meant for him. I mean, right after my mom told me, I went into also like, I have to take care of my dad. Like I, the next mm-hmm. day I went up to him, like gave him a hug and was like, I, I really, really, in a, in a really intense way, jumped into a protector of him, but mm. I also think in protecting him, I still was really um, confused about what his cross-dressing meant for him and what does drag mean to me. And um, I won't, when I, I years later in my mid twenties, I started performing drag in um, in Philadelphia and My birth, my drag name was birthed because, and it's actually very fitting because, you know, just recently it was announced about this musical coming to Broadway. Me and my best friend had watched Through the Eyes of Tammy Faye. And my best friend turned to me and she was just like, you know, it would be an amazing drag name. Tammy famous with like famous spelled F-A-Y-M-O-U-S. I'll never forget. It was like when we were still using LG flip phones, I put like my, in my little <laughs> LG notes, I put like Tammy famous <laughs> and like two or three months later, I was performing professionally at a regional theater in Delaware and they were doing a drag benefit for the, for the theater. And it was all impersonations. And they asked me to do Amy Winehouse and they were like, yeah, we would love for you to do Amy Winehouse." what's your drag name? And I was like, Tammy Famous. And that's how Tammy was really born. But I was Mm -hmm. about 24, 25 when this happened. And I started getting a lot of gigs. I started performing weekly. Like I I ended up having a really successful career at the time in Philadelphia. But Mm -hmm. still, I was in my head about it. I was insecure about it. I was drinking like crazy. And I really think that the experience of my mom telling me the way she told me about my dad really did prevent me from like really loving my drag and understanding it. And I I stopped when I stopped drinking, I stopped doing drag. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to focus on other things. So Mm -hmm. I did this career in media. I went from having no experience in journalism to five years later, having a job at the today show and NBC news. I worked there for years and it was incredible. But, but even with my journalism, all my journalism was about LGBTQ queer issues and drag. Like at NBC News, I became the drag journalist. Like I and, and even like when I was doing it, people would sort of say I was an expert on this, and I would always be very sheepish about ex, about taking any sort of expert you know um, title except mm-hmm. for drag. I'm like I'm a drag. I am and. <laughs> And so through, through all this like story, you know, I came to the realization last year, you know, with my therapist, thank God about the timing and the denial and understanding. And I was like, you know what, girl, I got to go back to Tammy. I got to bring her back. I put her wow. on the back burner for the wrong reasons, I think. Mm-hmm. And and if you even look at my media career, me covering drag, I think is very representative of the fact that I do love it. I, I feel so good doing it. You know. Um, And yeah, and so that's a lot. (laughs) But (laughs) that's pretty much the 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 basis in the story around, you know, the birth and the and the evolution of my drag. I wouldn't necessarily say the evolution because I'm probably like messier than I ever been before. But I definitely (laughs) have evolved in terms of accepting myself and really understanding all the confidence confusions around it. And Mm -hmm. I'm so much clearer in my resolve and my acceptance of of me, my mom, my dad, where now it's like, I got to do this for me.
0: And it feels really, really good. That's, I mean, that's incredible. Not only hearing about the birth of Tammy Famous, but the rebirth of Tammy Famous. Yeah. Like, oh,
1: really? uh, no, you're right. I mean, it yeah. really is a rebirth. And like, even the other day I got dinner with an old friend of mine and he just, when when he his face lit up when he was like talking about Tammy famous and me going back to performing. And he's like, yeah, like it was something that you really love. And the fact that you're back doing it again, I I'm just so proud of you. And even just that moment was such a like affirmation as to like why I'm doing this now, you know, and it feels just so good. I mean, it also just feels like no better time to be doing it now, because I do think that drag is so standardized is so normalized mm-hmm. in so many ways that I'm like, I want to get in there and just mess it up. <laughs> mess it
0: up, absolutely. No, I love that. I think we need more of that. We need more of that in the theater, in all of the arts, but especially I feel like with the drag world right now. Like that's I find that thrilling, and I am already a fan. I can't wait to like see where like this is gonna... like. Yeah, I think that people.
1: I mean, I think that people i've had even at my last show i had a bunch of i did a show at red eye for halloween and there was like a table of lesbians from california who had never knew no idea who i was and they were just and at the end of the show they were like i really get what you're doing and i'm like i just and it just feels really good because i think it can also be a hard thing to sort of explain to people or something and i think that of course with like Brooklyn drag versus Manhattan drag and Manhattan Mm -hmm. and Brooklyn drag is so much more bohemian or so much sort of, you know, um, punk in so many ways or whatever, but still it takes itself so seriously. Where yeah. like, I have no problem being the biggest joke in the in the room or sort of calling that out. I mean, my big slogan this summer was make drag fun again. And yeah. I had this big poster and I was carrying it around Fire Island during some of my shows. And I did the invasion with it. And people were coming up to me being like, yes, I love this. I like love what you stand for. And, and 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 it just feels so good because I feel like now is the best time to be calling out these things and just to keep it in check, like just to keep yeah. some people in check,
0: yeah, yeah, well, because it, as an art form, much like the others, has the potential to do really, really great things and bring about change. but also, you can do all of those things while not taking it so seriously just because you have the opportunities to do all of these wonderful things. Doesn't mean it has to also be the most serious, like, you know, thing.
1: Wait, I am kind of like a drag expert and I go to a lot of drag shows myself and I still go to drag shows and I love drag shows and I love lip syncing, yeah. queens. lip syncing, is such an art. And I'm still mm-hmm. trying to infuse some lip syncing into my shows. Like I'll do a song, but I mean, I maybe will put in like, um, Famous scenes from movies that I'll lip sync to to sort of kind of also communicate that energy or the, you know, the the theme that I'm trying to get along with the song. But at so many shows like some of these queens are just begging people to tip them like, tip, girl, I'm going to tip you when you do something worthy to be tipped for. But if you're just begging for a couple dollars on the microphone, that is not. No. And so much, I mean, I think there are a lot of people that do turn to this art form because they think it's a cash grab and they think it's an yeah. easy road to success, but they don't have the purpose. They don't have the intention behind it. They don't even know maybe why they're really doing drag or what really informed their love for it. They're just trying to get somewhere. And I just don't know if that's the best thing for them. And that's definitely not the best thing for me. You know, yeah. I've been probably losing money on shows because <laughs> I have an expensive band to pay for. And mm-hmm. that's also why a lot of drag queens probably aren't performing with a band because it's expensive. Right. But right. I wouldn't want to do it any other way. I mean, performing <laughs> with karaoke tracks is yes, cheaper, but is one of the most like lonely experiences in the world to be on, It's already very vulnerable to be on stage singing. You know, absolutely um, to be just with a computer track. <laughs> no, I love my band. I pay them yeah. good. I'm very proud mm-hmm. of that. But it's just like this isn't right now. Money making opportunity for me, it really isn't. This is me, um, reclaiming my art, and mm-hmm. I also think when capitalism is combined with art making, everybody loses because then you got Absolutely. Taylor Swift drag brunches, you got a bunch of Taylor Swift <laughs> drag brunches, and girl, I am not. Uh, uh, there will be no Tammy famous Taylor Swift drag brunch. <laughs> I have made a joke, like, if any queen. Performs a Taylor Swift song, they better sing it live because if Taylor yeah. Swift her songs, you can get through one of her songs too because she ain't a singer. It's <laughs> but true, but
0: I'm just saying. Hey, like I'm a Swiftie, Swifties. but I I can admit it. Know, I'm a
1: Swiftie too, girl. <laughs> I love Taylor and I listen to yeah. all of things. Yeah. I'm just saying that, like I do think when capitalism is really involved with art making, that is when things get compromised. And mm-hmm. I have another career that I'm very excited about as well that I'm working in addition to this. And of course, if Tammy was able to like pay all my bills and pay my mortgage and pay my maintenance, yeah, let's go, Tammy. But for now it isn't. But for now, I really just want to create a space where I'm creating something I'm proud of and 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 hopefully the audience, and they have been, you know, the strangers that have come to my show the past year, I think really have been picking up when I'm putting down. So that feels just like really, really good. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a very quick break. We're going to be back chatting about all things Tammy Famous Christmas at 54 Below when we get back. And we are back. We are chatting with Tammy Famous about a very Tammy Famous Christmas coming to 54 Below on Wednesday, December 27th at 930 p.m. Just going to make sure we're plugging the date and time so we all know, so you can all get your tickets. My, my friend was joking and he was like, yeah, I wonder if, um,
1: we just were joking. I was like, yeah, it's, it's a shame I couldn't get a date like before Christmas. He's like, you yeah, know, but like work the end of the show? Like the best Tammy could do is two days after Christmas. And I love that because that is hilarious. But then I was also thinking like so many people have off the week between Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. So they don't need things to do. It is a Wednesday night. It is later on a Wednesday night. But if you're off Thursday from work, it's a great time to potentially catch my show. So I'm actually really excited about the timing. Um, I think it's going to be really, really good.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's a great time. I th- why not? Yeah. And that's that's such a fun week anyway. People are, like you said, looking for things to do. There are more people in the city than than usual. So like come see a drag Christmas show at 54 below. Why not? (laughs) Like, it's going to be amazing. And after they listen to the podcast and they hear how like raw and authentic and uh, like awesome it's going to be, how could they not? So they're going to get with it. I do want to ask you, you spoke earlier about um, Trixie Mattel kind of doing the country route and really doing her thing. Are there other drag Queens specifically that you really like look to for inspiration? Do you have a drag mother Like, what are some, who are some of the queens that you look up to? I
1: definitely don't think, I don't think anybody would uh, (laughs) claim me as their child. I I do have a lot of good relationships with a lot of people. I am, I am, I've had a historical relationship with Alaska. I actually dated Alaska for a year. Um, So that was interesting. And Mm -hmm. we're still good friends. Um, I'm close with like Peppermint. I really love Peppermint. Peppermint is... Pe- peppermint and me performed back in my mid twenties and she is such a light and she is such an incredible person. Um, let me think of some other, I think that when it comes to the people that I'm trying to emulate with my act or the people that mm-hmm. I inspire to be, it's much more in the cabaret scene. It's much more like Justin Vivian Bond,
0: Joey yes. Arias,
1: um, mm-hmm. Murray Hill, like Bridget mm-hmm. Everett. I, I really, if, if I could, call anybody my drag mom, even though she's not a drag queen, it would be like Bridget Everett. I want Tammy Famous to be like the drag version of Bridget Everett. And um, she's somebody who I love. I used to live by her in in the Upper West Side and we would bump into each other, walking our dogs. And she's such an amazing person. But that is really sort of, the hierarchy of the people that I aspire to be. So it's more in the cabaret scene. And another big um, drag queen who was a big inspiration for me and still is. Um, her name is Martha Graham Cracker, and she was a um, is a queen in Philadelphia. And when I was performing in my mid twenties, she was very established in the Philadelphia scene. She also came from the theater world. She ran a very prestigious theater company in Philadelphia called Pig Iron. Which was like one of the first kind of people to really do, um, you know, when you do shows in like the middle of a bathroom and like a warehouse or whatever, you know, like they were like, they would not yeah. like the 12th night, but you know, it's rest. a truck stop. It's like a rest stop at a truck, <laughs> truck stop. <laughs> um so she performed as Martha Graham Cracker, and she also sings live, and she also sings with a band, and she's also hairy. I, As Tammy, I performed with her a few times back in Philly, and I wouldn't necessarily call her my drag mom, but she's also somebody that I've definitely been inspired for and has really shaped um, my act, and is somebody that I... I I look to for that inspiration in many, many ways. But a lot of the people that I'm bringing up are more in the cabaret world, I would say, than the drag Hmm. world per se. Um, That's also just the way that I'm trying to sort of create my shows. I love performing in a nightclub and I love performing in a gay bar. But the one thing that's also harder when you're singing live, you then got to work with like the shitty microphone that like just ran out of batteries (laughs) and like the sound system (laughs) that like, you know, I mean... Even Jinx is funny because Jinx Monsoon made a funny joke that like when she performed in Chicago on Broadway, she like had to hold back her singing because for the first time she didn't have to like scream to be heard. (sighs) But when you sing live in these gay bars with these shitty ass sound systems. It can be really hard to project and to also like do the best vocal quality. She obviously was mm-hmm. in Chicago on Broadway. So hopefully Chicago has a good enough sound system and they do.
0: But yeah, <laughs> they I can mean, afford it.
1: <laughs> but there are so many, I mean, I love drag. I mean, I love, mm-hmm. I love, um, let's think of some of the other, I mean, Trixie, I think is definitely an amazing businesswoman. I definitely think with her motel in Palm Springs and just mm-hmm. the fact that she put out a country album, I think that was so unique and so different from what other people were doing at the time. I love Bianca Del Rio. Um, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. Alexis Michelle, she's been a huge supporter of mine. We had a FaceTime the other day and she's done shows at 54 below. I mean, she's a really talented person.
0: Yeah. Great voice too, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, there are so many people doing so many great things. I mean, of course now we're in this moment when to have your drag seen the most by the most, it's to be on drag race. Um, Right. And I'm obsessed with Drag Race. I love Drag Race. i yeah. reported on it. I've interviewed RuPaul. I DM with Michelle Visage daily. She was just DMing me this morning about something. Um, I know the producers very well. It's an incredible platform. But at this point now, it's hard to imagine how people who really paint outside the box of the formula, how they're able to get a platform there um hopefully that continues to happen with people um but you know i think it in some ways is harder but then you have somebody like jimbo who is so outside in many ways um find so much success there i just hope Mm -hmm. they keep giving opportunities to the jimbos of the world because there are definitely more of them out here i think doing that type of thing yet we don't see that enough on
0: the show Absolutely. I mean, even some of the queens who, if you go back and watch those earlier seasons, you think of, you know, some of them just had duct tape and a prayer, you know, and it's like, you're watching those episodes and you're like, they wouldn't not because of their, their not because of a lack of talent or style or anything, but there's no way they could even be in the new seasons without, you know, a little bit of restructuring. So yeah, I would love to see them continue to give those opportunities.
1: Right. I mean, I think it's like, a couple things i mean back in the day they were still growing and so people didn't know how successful it would be so they probably mm-hmm. weren't putting that much money going into it there were queens that showed up season two in like jeans you know like in right. the workroom and now the <laughs> idea of that happening but i also kind of love that because i also think mm-hmm. that like why not show up in jeans like that can be part of somebody's drag right i think it's mm-hmm. the same but we know now that, that ha- what a platform it is and so there's There's people going into $40,000 worth of credit card debt to just get on the show with the outfits that they think the show needs them to have. Who knows? I was put in that position, which I've never been. Who knows what decisions I would have to make because I would probably try my best to get enough money and hire a bunch of designers to put together some good looks. Um, But I also don't know if that's necessarily at the core of my drag. So it's Mm -hmm. also like, how do you stay true to yourself? while also doing well in that show, that that's a very, very hard hard thing, I think, to compromise, especially now that the show has become so successful and it wow. has become such a thing. Um, it can be more confusing as to say, like, where do I fit in? I, of course, still think people should audition. I'm probably going to audition for the next season um, cause, because <laughs> why not? But I also just have to be, like, honest with myself, too, about, like, it, 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 if I did get on, I may have to figure out how to do my makeup a little a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be hilarious if I show up day 1 and I'm just like, "Wait, like I can't bring my my makeup artist with me." I mean, that would probably start like a forest fire in the in the workroom, in the work room, Right. I'd love right. To see people's reactions and be like, "Yeah, why wh- I mean, why can't we hire Glam for this?" Oh, we can't. Yeah. That's not part of the rules fuck
0: <laughs> <laughs> that I mean it'd be a great bit honestly like unforgettable moment <laughs> but they're outside like they're here like we can't yeah, let yeah, them in here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's amazing well I want to get to the, the Christmas of it all um why a, why a Christmas show where did this idea begin and um what what are kind of what was kind of the inspiration to to do this
1: Well, I think that, like I said before, I think Christmas can be a very confusing time for queer people. Um, Maybe some of it's in our head, but also it's family. It's about chosen family. Maybe people are in a weird place with their bio family, but even somebody who's not really in a weird place with their bio family, I still feel like If you don't have the kids, if you don't kind of have those things going, it can be really hard to figure out like where your place is or something. And I think for everybody, straight or gay, it can just be a triggering time. And when you're supposed to feel happy, it can make you feel a little bit sadder because if you don't necessarily naturally correlate with that feeling, then you get more in your head about all of that. And I think it's really important to put out work that is Christmas related but also maybe Christmas and queer and queerness can just be different. You know, it's not even about a sexuality or a gender identity thing. It's about an artistic sort of expression. So me singing Mary Jane and Alanis Morissette song and applying it to the queer community and applying it to the holiday season, I'm like really excited to do something like that because I think it is a little bit different. Also for me, honestly, Christmases were a very traumatizing time in my family. My mom would sometimes cancel Christmas and instead we got the presents thrown at us on December 12th, um, unwrapped. And I was like 12 years old or 11 years old. I mean, my mom dealt with a lot of issues. Really, I think that um, some of them were in this sort of relationship with my father and about Mm -hmm. him being a cross dresser, her sort of forcing him to stay in the closet, um, him not really doing that. My mom catching him dressing up. Um, I think that there's, there's so much about that, but a lot of that negativity and that bad stuff really manifested itself at the Christmas and holiday time. Even if nothing was triggering her, the Christmas season was just a big trigger for her in general. Mm -hmm. And she would really um it, it just was a really tough time so i think now in my adulthood i'm really trying to reclaim that for myself in a positive way and i also think that i am also trying to tell people for my mom or for a queer person okay you do feel a little bit sad like that's okay um
0: mm-hmm.
1: that is okay and um we can be sad together or we can be um you know not necessarily sad but like melancholy or just you know it's it's also very hopeful and very um I think just it's it's also when you're not in denial about something is when you're you're just honest about it. That can just be so freeing and of itself, you know. You know, I am a little bit sad this Christmas. And if you kind of share that with somebody else, I think that experience in of itself can be can be very
0: hopeful. Right. Right. Well, and there's also, you know, kind of on the on the flip side of that, there's also something so kind of like camp about Christmas. So just like it's just so much that like combining, blending, like, a drag queen and Christmas, to me, I'm just like, well, that just makes sense. Like, of course. There's tinsel, there's garland, there's mess. Like, (laughs) why not?
1: And it's definitely going to be fun. I mean, I'm going to sort of look to, I'm going to play on the idea of um, Christmas Carol, with, like, the ghosts of Christmas past Mm -hmm. and future, but make it um, site-specific to Studio 54, and sort of... Love like talk about the ghosts of studio 54 and Mm -hmm. what are those people maybe who are haunting the premises or whatever because 54 below
0: is in the same venue as studio 54 right it is isn't it oh yeah so we are actually 54 below is in the cellar so we are the basement of studio 54 so like we i mean we've heard legendary stories from performers like who have who were there who were in the basement you know there were all kinds (laughs) of things that happened in this basement so if there right. was ever a place the ghosts would haunt, it would be fifty-four below for sure.
1: Right. No, I know. Yeah, and 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 then that can just like if I'm doing if I'm talking about Grace Jones doing a Grace Jones mm-hmm. number, or if I'm talking about Liza Minnelli doing a Liza Minnelli yeah. number, like uh, Tina Turner was there. Like there are so many people. If you just you know Google um, like who was at who was at Studio 54, 50, 50, who was at Studio fifty four. The roster of artists is amazing to pull from, yeah. so that's going to mm-hmm. be a really fun kind of component of it as well. I also could try to get some people who are still alive who have, have been there. Like I'm close with Michael Musto. There's a million photos of Michael Musto at uh, at Studio Fifty Four. That's just going to be yeah. sort of like one layer, and that I think is going to be really campy and really fun because mm-hmm. that's also really going to be celebrating the holidays in a very irreverent way, like pulling in Grace Jones music for for um christmas i think is going to be cool and then of course there's going to be some christmas songs like i there's some christmas songs that i love like i love merry christmas darling so i'm definitely going to be singing oh, yeah. that it's one of my favorite mm-hmm. christmas songs the carpenters um mm-hmm. so like that will be in there and i also love barbara streisand's jingle bells question mark Um, so that's (laughs) in there. Um, you know, she's everywhere, everywhere right now because of her memoir. So yeah, Yeah. so it's definitely going to have all, but the show is like high energy. It is go, go, go. It's probably going to be like half an hour forty five minutes of just like go, go, go. And then we'll bring it down, you know? And then we'll like really get into your heart and maybe I'll cry and make you cry. And like, (laughs) then we'll bring it back up. And then, you know, it's like crazy, 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 crazy ending. Um, and Yeah, and that's basically it. I mean, I really, really am like so excited about the show. Me and my band are going to start rehearsing after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I love my band; um, they're incredible. They're all so talented, and and yeah, it's just going to be really fun.
0: I have to say, I was re- I was thrilled when I was reading when I was reading about your show when you know we were announcing and everything, and I read that Darnell was your music director. We we just love Darnell so much. And I know you did speak about Darnell earlier, but you know, having someone like that on on the on the keys backing you up and like working with you is just like the level of trust i can only imagine like that you would have with darnell and just like you know you're in good hands so like the show is like really he's a really like
1: him and i are a perfect match like just Mm. musically and energy wise and like i can be a little bit like you know up, up 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 um, which is good, but then like I need that grounding presence, and he mm-hmm. really is that. He is very yeah. grounded, and mm-hmm. like I was saying before too, his musicality is a little bit different than mine. But I feel that like he also just gets me so well. I mean, we we started rehearsing for my first show, which was April, probably in January. And just weekly meeting, just getting together and really understanding each other, I live near the Bronx, and he's in the Bronx, so it's really easy for us to get together and every single time we did, it was just like so much fun and it's felt like such a connection and i I love 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 working with him. I really think that you know also historically I've tried to work with people or whatever, and I just feel that like sometimes people are just so like business I mean, yeah. they're just they're just so. Like, they're always thinking about, like, I need somebody who's present. Like, they're always thinking about the next gig or the next rehearsal. And, like, I get that we're all, you know, trying to make that money. And, like, we got bills to pay. Oh, yeah. But I need somebody, (laughs) like, you know, and I probably did look at like three or four piano players and, I'm so happy that I picked him, and now we've done a couple shows together this year, and we're going to keep doing shows together. And yeah, he's a very, very special person, and he's a big part of the reason why I think. And all people come into the show, and they're like, "Wow, you're like," they're probably like, "Your your musicians are better than you," and I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's the best thing about like." That, that's what you got to do. Like you got to surround yourself with people who are better than you. And Absolutely. that makes you better.
0: Because that makes you better. Absolutely. Right.
1: And, 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 like, and but the, even with Darnell though, too, people, I think really like watch him play and they just, they, they vibe with him and his energy mm-hmm. and they leave being like, wow, like I loved your piano player. And I'm like, I know, yeah. right. He's really special. Yeah. So, yeah. so it feels really good that we keep, that we keep working together and we keep making it happen.
0: Absolutely. Well, is there, is there any like, I know you've told us quite a bit about the sh- the show itself, <laughs> but is there any special thing you want to tease? Any? I mean, you've given you're us the kind of of... For like a therapy hour, are you right now? Like, because I've loved this. No, i <laughs> this has been been amazing. I do want to ask you though. Like before we go, I do want to ask. And if you're covering this in the show and you want to save it, let's we'll save it. But we are all kind of dying to know your opinion. Is Die Hard a holiday film? <laughs> I think it definitely is. But you'll be
1: amazed. People love this debate. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, girl, there are just because I've I've covered (laughs) so much Christmas. Like I did a roundup for the Today Show when I worked there, like the hundred best Christmas films. And we had Die Hard on there. And like in the comments on Facebook, people will be like, Die Hard isn't a Christmas film. And then people will be like, oh, I love that Die Hard's on here. And you're like, wow, I did not know this was such Mm -hmm. a thing. Um, Yeah, I definitely like also kind of bringing in a little bit of pop culture I do have a background in media covering pop mm-hmm. culture. And so during my show, I do sometimes do a deep dive into certain pop culture things. And with Christmas, there's so much, not only oh with Christmas gosh. music, yeah. but with other kind of Christmas, Ooh. you know, Hallmark movies. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, Just the you lore know. of it all, you know, <laughs> there's, Oh yeah. There's so much. I mean, look at, think of all the cheesy Hallmark plots, you know, the city girl, with the marketing job goes you yeah. know to save her parents in in like bumble fuck whatever Idaho yeah. and then you know while she's there she like falls in love with the man who's like selling Christmas trees I I, I hope, hope to bring a lot of that stuff in terms of like talking about that and, and making jokes about it as well because it's so funny but no I think Die Hard is a Christmas film
0: sure okay great <laughs> Well, before before we go, where, where can we find you on uh, social media? So my Instagram is Fame Problems
1: and Fame is spelled F-A-Y-M-E Problems. And that's pretty much my Instagram. I'm on TikTok as Tammy Famous. I have a Facebook that has like 10,000 followers almost. Um, I just posted on there, what is the best drag film of all time? And that created quite... Like two hundred comments of people debating going back and Ooh. forth, and it's it's crazy. I mean, people take. I'll some have of to check
0: that and, out. I'm gonna go look at that yeah, as girl. soon as as
1: soon as we're like, done. <laughs> Hedwig isn't a drag queen film, and I'm like, it is not that deep. It is not that deep, people. I think Hedwig <laughs> is definitely a drag film, but whatever. People really just. Love getting into the nitty gritty of things, especially on Facebook. Instagram is the best thing to follow me. I mean, I have 20,000 followers there, which I'm very grateful for. Great. Um, Yeah. And I, you know, I definitely have (laughs) 20,001.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Everyone go follow Tammy Famous on Instagram and come see a very Tammy Famous Christmas at 54 Below Wednesday, December 27th. We're all still going to be in the holiday spirit. So go ahead and grab your tickets and we will see you in the basement on the 27th. Thank you so much for chatting with me. We can't wait to see you here soon. Thank you. You've been listening to the 54 Below podcast, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. To find out more about our upcoming shows, visit us at 54below.org.